What's going on, boys and girls, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Brighton Podcast. And yes, I'm well aware that today is Tuesday. Today is what is supposed to be Titans Tuesday on the show. And yes, the Titans are kicking off their 2023 regular season this coming Sunday in New Orleans against the New Orleans Saints. And there's plenty to talk about as it relates to the Tennessee Titans this week for sure. But since I've had a few people in both of my leagues fantasy leagues, say that I could probably have a lot of fun with uh, doing a little segment on fantasy football and just touching on the way both of the league's drafts went and the way my teams are looking heading into this year and blah, 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 blah. I thought that that is just something that sounded like plenty of fun to me. And so that's what I'm going to be doing today. I'm sort of going to be putting Titans Tuesday on the back burner for right now because, you know, now that draft season it has officially concluded for me and I did not get to talk about fantasy football, really, in really any detail before now. Uh, I guess better late than never, right? Because the regular season does, in fact, kick off this week, as I was just alluding to earlier. And so, Titans Tuesday is probably going to have to be held off for another week because I will have even more to say about the Titans after their regular season opener against the Saints wraps up. But today is going to be all about fantasy football, but before I get into that, I just wanted to say I hope you guys had a fantastic Labor Day weekend, obviously. I hope you spent it at the pool, at the lake, or wherever you so desired to spend your Labor Day weekend, and Because, as we all know, this is the sort of unofficial end of summer. And it's sort of sad in a lot of ways for that to take place. But going back into what I'm going to be talking about on the show, with the end of summer comes the beginning of of fall, obviously, and the start of 
football season, which is, of course, this week. But anyway, that's enough about all of that. Let me get into the nitty-gritty of today's show and the fantasy drafts that I was able to put together. I'm, I guess you should, you, I guess you could say I'm cautiously optimistic about this, this first team that I'm going to lay out that I was able to draft. First of all, funny story about the draft that took place in this particular league because, you know, everybody's excited. It's draft night. Everybody's excited. Yada, 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 yada. And the restaurant that we were going to have the draft at, the draft at, and I say we're going to have the draft at because obviously the plan changed. And we all had to quite literally scramble around town to try to get to where the next spot was that we were going. Actually had to put the draft on hold for a little while. But funny story, I've actually, I've got the number one pick in this league, right? First time in the I I think, I'm pretty sure it's the first time ever in the nine or ten years that I've been playing fantasy football that I've had the, that I've ever had the number one overall pick in the league draft. And, you know, I'm excited, I'm anxious, I'm all worked up, jacked up or whatever, and we get to the restaurant, and it's about 30 or 40 minutes before the draft is set to begin. And just like that, boom, power goes out in the restaurant. And we're all sitting there, you know, we've all got the got the drink menu out, trying to figure out what sort of beverages we will be consuming during this particular draft or whatever. And as I just said, boom, power goes out. The mood goes from a level of 10 to about a level of zero real quick, right? And so we're all trying to figure out, uh, what's the move? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the anxiety level for me in particular has gone from a level of zero to a level of 10 because I've got the number one pick, right? And the light bulb, all sorts of light bulbs and buzzers are going on in my head at this point because of so many factors that that are involved. Anyway, we end up leaving the first restaurant that we were at and 
Come to, come to find out the second restaurant that we were going to go to, the power is also out. This is due to the fact that I guess somebody in traffic must have hit a big transformer or something like that because the power grid basically in the entire city has been wiped out at this point. I'm talking restaurants, shopping malls, traffic lights, the whole, I mean, it was just anarchy, man. It was, it was wild. It was just an, a cluster, you know what, of traffic and text messages and blah, 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 blah. I say text messages because we were all trying to figure out what the next move was as far as the draft goes. But anyway, switching gears to, long story short, we do finally end up finding a restaurant that has power. And of course, we got the draft done, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, let me get to my roster in this particular league. Of course, as I mentioned before, I did have the number one overall pick in this particular fantasy football league. And to the surprise of nobody, well, should be to the surprise of nobody, I, I used the number one overall pick in that league to select the bar none runaway, clear-cut, top player in fantasy football, and that is Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Jay Jetta, as he's come to be known in a lot of circles, a lot of league circles. He's just an absolute stud. The one impediment that he has is the fact that Kirk Cousins just so happens to be the one throwing him the football. Other than that, that's pretty much it. That is pretty much it. I have no other blemishes that I can see on Justin Jefferson's resume. But that was my first pick in this league. You may be wondering... Well, who who did you pick at? Who did you pick with your second round pick, your third round pick? Blah 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 blah. You may be wondering what the answers to those particular questions are. Yeah, can't really remember by round exactly, but what I do have in front of me are. Just the the position by position list of the guys that I took. Okay, ready? So what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to list off each guy, or I should say each which guy I took at each position and just give a brief 
summary of what I think they're going to do heading into the 2023 season. Okay, so quarterbacks, starting at the top here. My quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers. Running backs, uh, Travis Etienne Jr., Ramondre Stevenson, James Conner, and J.K. Dobbins. Wide receivers, obviously Justin Jefferson. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton, Traylon Burks. Tight ends, which I'm maybe a little bit concerned about based on who my backup is at this point, but tight ends are Dalton Schultz, Zach Ertz. I took the New York Jets defense, and I also snagged Young Way Koo, the kicker from the Atlanta Falcons. So that's it for my roster. Let me get back into the player-by-player breakdowns. Okay, starting at the top, Justin Fields. You know, we've heard so much about the trajectory that the Chicago Bears want Justin Fields to be on. They've done so many things as far as helping his progression in this offseason, whether it be through trades. I know they just picked up DJ Moore, which I'll get to DJ Moore a little bit more in detail in just a second about because I'm still sort of frustrated that I could not stack DJ Moore with Justin Fields in this particular league, but they've picked up DJ Moore. They've drafted Darnell Wright, the big, and shout out to Darnell Wright VFL, just by the way. They've drafted Darnell at I believe number 10 overall to help solidify the offensive line. And also just the fact that the Bears, who originally did have the number one overall pick, the fact that they traded down to not to not just take an offensive lineman, but not take another quarterback, just speaks to the level of trust that the Chicago Bears have in Justin Fields as QB1. And Justin Fields, even last year, did a phenomenal job, especially down the final stretch of the year. And yes, I'm very much well aware of the fact that the Bears only won three football games in 2022, but Justin Fields, the on-field, on-field, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, production is, was just off the charts, and I think he's poised for an even bigger performance, hopefully, knock on wood, in 
2023. Also, fun fact, he also finished with at least 1,000 rushing yards. Again, we're talking about a quarterback here finishing with over 1,000 rushing yards. So that's another big thing as well. Aaron Rodgers, obviously he's going into a situation where he will be playing for a new team. He's going to be with the New York Jets as opposed to the Green Bay Packers, obviously. But he's looked marvelous in the preseason. What limited action he did see in the preseason. And certainly I hope that trend will continue in the regular season. Running backs. Uh, Travis Etienne. And certainly I'm by no means a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I sort of had to put my my bias aside and went with the best player available on my board at the time in Travis Etienne. And this is a guy that the Jags are going to move all over the field. He's certainly going to be a weapon in the running game, ironically fielding handoffs from the quarterback that he spent so much time with in college, that being Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence. But he's also going to be catching passes from Sunshine as well, which if you are in a PPR league, points per reception, obviously being what PPR stands for, you obviously know how important that is. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, the starting running back for the New England Patriots. And the reason why he is the starting running back is also important. Because yes, I know that the Pats just brought in Zeke Elliott. And, you know, Zeke Zeke still has to eat and whatnot. But... That's sort of a joke going back to his time with the Dallas Cowboys. Feed Zeke. But having said that, Zeke is, I would hope, not going to be eating as much as he has in the past. And Ramondre Stevenson obviously showed last year that he is very capable of being RB1, so to speak. And hopefully that trend will continue for him. Uh, James Conner, look, the car, one thing I'll say about James Conner is defensive-minded head coach in Arizona now with Jonathan Gannon. And what do... Defensive-minded coaches do on offense, usually. They like to run the ball. And especially when you take the Cardinals' current quarterback situation into consideration, 
with Kyler Murray starting the year on the PUP list, yeah, those, I mean, how much, how much faith are you going to put in Joshua Dobbs throwing the ball 40 times a game? I'm not going to put too much faith in that. Nothing against Joshua Dobbs, but you typically, I mean, even back during his time in Knoxville at UT, I couldn't even remember Josh Dobbs throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game. But certainly made some very big throws, but even with that being said, the throws that he did make did not equal 40-plus times per game. And so the the Rocks got to go somewhere for the Cardinals, and hopefully for me it ends up in this league, it ends up in the hands of James Conner quite a bit. And uh, J.K. Dobbins, if he can stay healthy, the Ravens are going to have pretty much a field day on offense, at least on paper with some of the weapons that they have. I'll get to them in greater detail a little bit more in just a few minutes because I actually snagged the orchestrator of that Baltimore Ravens offense in my other league. And so I'll get to, I'll get to them a little bit more in detail in a few minutes. But that's it from for my running backs on to my receivers. Of course, as I mentioned before, Justin Jefferson was the first overall pick in this league by me. And I've pretty much said all that needs to be said about him. But Amon Ross St. Brown with the Detroit Lions, very productive year last year. Uh, One of the things that was scary to me in some ways was the fact that he was listed as questionable, at least before today. And here's what, here, sidebar really quick. Here's one thing that irritates me about fantasy drafts before the games actually end up kicking off. As far as guys being listed as questionable goes, for example, I'm always forced into the situation where I'm like, what What does that mean? What Are they going to play? Are they, I mean, I've got, I've got a lineup to set, man. I've got to figure out who I'm, I've got to figure out who my wide receivers are going to be, who my flex is going to be. I've got the whole Zach Galifianakis meme thing from The Hangover going on where he's in, you guys remember that what I'm talking about, right? When, it, when they're in the casino shooting craps or whatever, and Alan, Zach Galifianakis, has got all of the math, Zooming around in his head, you guys remember you guys remember that scene, right? Yeah. 
that's basically what I and every other fantasy owner has to do on a, a weekly basis. But before the season, when a guy's listed as questionable, that just adds another level of stress to that situation. But anyway, having said that, those stresses had to be put to the side because thankfully Amon Ra is not questionable anymore and can hopefully get back to producing for the Detroit Lions. I'm hoping hoping for a big night from him on Thursday because it should be pointed out that Chris Jones, the big defensive lineman from the Kansas City Chiefs, is holding out of his current... He's holding out from team activities because of his current contract situation. I do not have time to get into that today, but hope even... With that being said, hopefully that gives Jared Goff plenty of time to deliver the football to ideally Amon Ra St. Brown. Okay, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, scary Terry from the Washington Commanders or as... Buck Rising, and shout out to Buck Rising at 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, by the way, for sort of coining this nickname, just based on all of the nicknames the Washington football team has had over the years, and yes, ironically, one of those nicknames was also the Washington literally the Washington football team. The nickname that Buck has coined for them is the Washington Commander Skins football team. And, and that's obviously a, com- a combination of, let's see, the obviously the Commanders, the Washington football team, and of course, the Redskins. But, I digress. But Terry McLaurin, regardless of whatever name the Washington team has, whether it be the Commanders or the football team or the Redskins, the one constant since Scary Terry has been in the league, is his level of production, regardless, really regardless of who the quarterback is. And certainly, I hope that that will continue. Uh, Cortland Sutton and Traylon Burks. Let me move on to them pretty quickly. Cortland Sutton, obviously, big-time wide receiver from the Denver Broncos, and of course, Broncos country, let's ride. I feel like I'm contractually obligated to say that until 
such time when the Denver Broncos stop sucking. But certainly with a guy like Sean Payton, uh, Super Bowl champion Sean Payton, now calling the shots in Denver, you would hope that he would design a scheme to allow his offense to be successful, mainly his quarterback, Russell Wilson, but certainly when the quarterback is successful, you would naturally assume everybody else on the offense is going to be successful as well. But we will just have to wait and see how that plays out. Speaking of waiting and seeing, uh, Traylon Burks, obviously he's sort of banged up at the moment with the, I believe it was a LCL sprain that he suffered in practice in the preseason, but eventually I do expect and hope as a Titans fan that he puts all of that behind him and gets back to producing because he did show very promising flashes of what he could do last year. Uh, Tight ends, I'm pretty excited about Dalton Schultz. I think that, you know, they've got a new offensive system in Houston where it is, I would say, fairly tight end friendly based on the fact that the offensive system is, of course, coming from the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously, George Kittle's had quite a bit of success in that system over the years. And when you've got a rookie quarterback coming in in C.J. Stroud, obviously you have, you are looking for a... that One of the terms that we hear a lot about is, quote-unquote, the security blanket. Obviously, I think C.J. Stroud is going to look to guys like a Dalton Schultz as that security blanket in that particular system. And obviously Dalton Schultz, even going back to his time in Dallas, very productive player, but that was obviously with Dak Prescott as his quarterback, and interceptions aside for Dak, but even having said that, Dalton Schultz was also a very good security blanket for Dak when Dak was not throwing all of the aforementioned interceptions. I believe he had 15 of them, which led the league, but... Even going from Dak Prescott to C.J. Stroud now, certainly based on the contract, mainly the contract that he signed with the Texans, certainly they're hoping that he lives up to that contract and also can provide that security blanket 
for the number two pick in the draft in C.J. Stroud. And very quickly, before I move on to my other league, the Jets' defense is primed to be a elite defense. There's no question about that when you have the defensive player of the year, Sauce Gardner, coming back. When you have who is apparently positioning himself to be the next Darrell Revis for the New York Jets. Certainly that's a name that New York Jets fans know very well. Darrell Revis. And Sauce Gardner apparently seems to be on that same exact trajectory. They've also got C.J. Mosley and Quinnen Williams coming back in the front seven. And I, I could go on and on about all of the talent that the Jets have on, def- on defense, but I'm pretty sure I've made my point. It's just a phenomenal unit. Really, really did hold the team together much of last season because the quarterback situation that the New York Jets had last year Compared to this year, it's 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 night and day, man. It is it really is night and day. But that's pretty much all that needs to be said about the New York Jets. And ooh, before I move on to my other league, I have to give since I did draft Young Way Koo as my kicker in this league. I have to give a shout-out to uh, my my friend of the show, Adam Kasky, in my other fantasy football league, because for some reason, Adam, he always drafts Young Waku, and I don't, I don't even know why Adam does this, but he always tries to send me and I'm sure plenty of other guys in the league as well the same he always tries to trade young Waku and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just trolling or what it is but whenever whenever I get that trade offer from from Adam which I'm still I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm sure it's coming at some point, by the way. Every time I get that trade offer from Adam, I think to myself, well, here here it is. Here's the annual Young Waku trade offer from Adam Kasky, like clockwork. It really is a tradition. You know how... Everybody says the ma- the Masters is a tradition unlike any other. Another one of those traditions is the annual Young Waku trade offer that I get from Adam Kasky. But anyway, I, ju- I just think it's hilarious how 
Adam does that every year. Every year. Like, like literally, like, like clockwork. But anyway, I digress. Let me move on to the league that uh, me, both myself and Mr. Kasky, both, who is who, to be fair to Adam, he just so happens to be the current reigning and defending league champion in this particular league. But moving on to the league that we are both finding ourselves in. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited about the way that this draft ended up turning out for me. Despite the fact that I was starting off with the number nine, excuse me, the number nine overall pick. Even despite that, I think I did okay. Certainly when you're picking at the far end of, and either way, whether it be at the front of the draft or the end of the draft, depending on where you're picking, your draft strategy does have to change in a lot of ways, and certainly that was definitely the case this time around. I had to pick some guys where I normally would not have picked them, but Anyway, moving on to who I did select, and I'm, I guess I'm just going to run through the roster position by position, pointing out some little brief tidbits as I go along, but quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, I'm a, I mentioned the orchestrator of the Baltimore Ravens offense earlier that would, of course, be Lamar Jackson. And let me get to some of the, some of the weapons that Lamar has this year, which everybody's heard so much about. Let's see. J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. Well, first of all, people, people forget that Lamar Jackson, when healthy, is very much himself a weapon, both in the running game and in the passing game. But Lamar Jackson himself, that's one. J.K. Dobbins in the backfield, that's number two. Wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Devin DuVernay, tight end. Mark Andrews, that is a a murderer's row of weapons. And certainly when you have a new offensive system coming in, in the one that new Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Monken is going to bring to the table, Todd Monken, of course, coming over from the University of Georgia, And certainly we've all seen what the Georgia Bulldogs have done offensively over the last couple of seasons with 
with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. Yeah, Georgia did all that with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. Imagine what Todd Monken can do with Lamar and all of the weapons that the Ravens have. But anyway, I could go on and on, but I think that I've made my point. Uh, Aaron, I also snagged Aaron Rodgers. I sort of went on about him a little bit in my in the breakdown of my first league roster running backs, and of course I mentioned the draft strategy, sort of being fluid in a lot of ways based on where you pick and where I was picking, but running backs, Saquon Barkley, who I'm pretty definitely, I should say definitely excited about because he's sort of on one of those prove-it deals that he and the Giants were able to reach a one-year contract agreement for 2023. Hopefully, Saquon produces... To say that hopefully he produces to say the absolute least. Obviously, I hope he goes above and beyond where what he is projected to do. And this is actually the second time I've drafted Saquon because I actually snagged him in his rookie year and I was very excited about him then. I'm definitely definitely excited about him now and hopefully he can do big things for the New York football Giants. I actually had to snag both of the New York football Jets running backs talking about Brees Hall and talking about Dalvin Cook because obviously Brees Hall's sort of recovering from his injury situation. And there's a lot of uncertainty that goes along with that. And I ended up having to snag Dalvin Cook a little bit earlier than I probably would have liked to. But, you know, you've, you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes. But, the, and this was not a stranger to that particular do-what-you-have-to-do situation because just for insurance purposes, it's better to have a handcuff. That, and remember this term, it's very important. It's very good to have a handcuff on that same team when you have a guy who is dealing with injuries and trying to trying to battle back from those injuries. But having said that, I think the Jets are in pretty good shape at the running back spot. Uh, I also had to draft, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five running backs, which is not 
which was not in my plans necessarily, but as I just said, you've got to do what you've got to do. And far as my other backs go, I took DeAndre Swift, who is coming over from the Detroit Lions, is now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, we all know what the Eagles can do offensively. And uh, Brian Robinson Jr., B-Rob, as he is as he is called, or as I am going to call him, B-Rob, built by Bama, as they say. And it's sort of remarkable comeback story for him because people people forget that about this time last year, uh, Brian Robinson was at, was actually in recovery from literal from literally being shot. the The man was literally involved in a shooting, and is now going into his second year of playing professional football for the Washington Commanders, or the Washington Commanderskins football team, or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, hopefully with this new offensive system that Washington is going to be bringing, hopefully B-Rob can find ways to be productive. Receivers. And I'm going to start off with with wide receiver one because this is another thing that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, I snagged Garrett Wilson, G-Dub, as Robert Sala calls him, the head coach of the New York Jets. Garrett Wilson, gosh. Gosh, I'm just, I'm, I'm really foaming at the mouth about the potential that Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have because I was just thinking last night, you know, we all, and I'm not saying this is definitely going to be the case. Hopefully it does end up being the case, but we all saw what Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams did for years when they were with the Green Bay Packers, right? This combination between Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson could be, and I want to emphasize again, could be a very eerily similar connection, and I'm very much excited about the possibilities of that. far as my other receivers go, I snagged Devontae Smith, who, of course, we all know what the Eagles can do offensively. I've touched, I touched on that a little bit earlier with the DeAndre Swift situation and as far as what he can do for the Running back spot, Devontae Smith, who is also built by Bama, and 
people who know me know that they know how painful it is for me to use the phrase built by Bama. But anyway, I digress. Devontae Smith obviously has that connection with Jalen Hurts. And hopefully that is a trend that will continue for the Eagles. I also snagged Chris Godwin, who, yes, I'm very well aware of what the Tampa Bay Bucks quarterback situation is and the fact that TB12 is no longer there, blah, 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 blah. But main reason I had to snag Chris Godwin is because he was really really the best wide receiver that was there at the time because everybody everybody kept snagging guys that I had on my board ahead of Chris Godwin. And I was like, what do I do? What am I going to do? But had to do, had to do what I had to do, okay? Sometimes you've just got to grin and bear it. But... Chris Godwin, I guess, is okay, even with Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball, I guess he's going to be okay. He's more of a flex guy, more than a wide receiver one in terms of fantasy production, but I still think he's going to be somewhat productive. Uh I also snagged Juju Smith-Schuster, who is no longer with the Chiefs. He is now with the New England Patriots and Mac Jones. But hopefully with the system that the Pats are going to be bringing in, Bill O'Brien will find ways to scheme Juju into the offensive production for the New England Patriots. And then I've also snagged Kadarius Toney, who was big trade acquisition, ironically, from the Chiefs, or by the Chiefs last year, coming over from the New York Giants. And he showed flashes, but is he going to be the guy who knows The Chiefs do like to spread the ball around quite a bit, so that's going to be something to watch. And then Darnell Mooney, the big guy, big wide receiver from the Chicago Bears. Obviously, he and Justin Fields had a very big connection last year. It's going to be interesting to see if if there are any changes With that, due to the Bears just picking up DJ Moore. But we will have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, My tight end was and is Pat Fryer-Muth from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And pretty excited about this. Obviously, he and quarterback Kenny Pickett have developed a Pretty big connection over the past year. And certainly the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are no stranger to tight end quarterback connections because how many times did we hear 
he in the stands at what is now Acrochere Stadium, I believe it is. It was Heinz Field, but anyway, how many times did we hear Heath in the stands after Heath Miller caught so many passes from Big Ben? It was pretty much a commonplace in the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Certainly, the Steelers are trying to rebuild that with Kenny Pickett and Pat Fryer-Muth. My defense, the Miami Dolphins defense, I'm very excited about this. The only, and I'm gonna have to, I'm obviously gonna have to make some changes in season. I have no idea what those changes are going to be because this is well on into the future when when these changes will be made. But, and obviously the reason why I'm going to have to make these changes is because I would have the Dolphins defense going up against several members of the New York Jets. And obviously, when two teams play, those two teams play each other twice, that's a little bit difficult for obvious reasons. Anyway, the Dolphins' defense is, on paper, a top five, definitely, definitely top ten, if not top five unit in the NFL. And... One of the more underrated reasons for that is I'm a very big fan of their new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Very well-experienced guy. Obviously has several guys live up to the billing when it comes to level of production. But they also added Jalen Ramsey to the mix. They also have several other guys on the front seven that can be quality producers for them. And so, despite the fact that Jalen Ramsey is going to miss quite a bit of time this season due to recovering from his injuries, obviously when he comes back on the field, hopefully the... Player that we have come to be known as Jalen Ramsey will show why he is him in a lot of ways. And my kicker in this league, Cam Dicker the kicker, Cameron Dicker, the starting kicker from the LA Chargers. And to a very large degree, yes, I sort of did pick him because mainly because of the name, but even have with that being said, I do think the Chargers going to probably score quite a bit of points offensively and obviously when the offensive unit is productive, hopefully the special teams unit is productive as well. But With that being said, hopefully it's going to be 
a very productive year for Dick Cameron Decker, the kicker. And hopefully it's going to be a very productive year for both of my fantasy football teams as well. And with all of that being said, that is going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And as I've said before, Titans Tuesday is sort of going to be put on the back burner until next week after the regular season opener against the Saints. I'm going to have a lot more college football stuff to talk about later on this week and am going to have quite a bit of fun talking about that. I hope you all will have a lot of fun watching and listening to it. But with all of that being said, I've got to run, guys. Thank you all so much for watching and listening, and I will see you very soon.